1: E-S-N-Y Welcome to another episode of the Hoops Addicts Anonymous podcast, an Elite Sports NY production, recording on January 22nd with your host, Jeff Campbell. And usually I have my guy, Chip Murphy, here with me. He's a little sick today, feeling under the weather, so we send him our best wishes. Hope he gets well soon. But I am beyond thrilled to have an awesome guest on the pod today. You can find his content on Nets Daily. Sites like Elite Sports and Y, affectionately known as the Film Study Guy by Nets Twitter, Matt Brooks, pumped to have you on the pod, man. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Um, It was a delight for me
0: for you to reach out to me today. Um, We've obviously known each other for about, I'd say like a year and some change, so it's always fun to do. Like podcasts are always fun to do and it's always fun to hop on and uh, I guess guest on different shows, but it's always fun when you know somebody, so that's really great. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to come on, talk a lot of nets, uh, and I like that the film study guy thing has caught on because I was definitely a, a self <laughs> self inflicted name. So <laughs> I'm happy that it's catching on.
1: <laughs> no, dude, listen, I'm a I'm a big fan of your writing. You know that for sure. Uh, we've talked about that. Um, I, I definitely, you know, you, Danny, some of the other guys on Elite Sports really good with the play-by-play stuff i think it's really important if you're going to write about ball and i'm certainly trying to develop that skill as well so it, it's important and, and your followers they, they definitely take notice so it's a it's a good thing
0: yeah yeah i mean it's a it's definitely uh it's weird to have people ever care about my stupid video clips that i that i uh, throw onto my twitter so it's exciting um yeah and and, and tell chip i hope he gets well soon
1: Oh no we definitely will I'll uh and and when we get the pod going I'll send him this I'm sure he'll be pumped we gave him a little shout out uh, oh yeah but I'll, I'll get right into it here so uh, when we have when we have writers on the pod I like to do as much research as the internet will allow me to do uh, on the person so um the first part of this is really just going into what what makes you a hoops addict right that's the name of the podcast hoops addicts anonymous so we all have our own journeys. What drove us to writing about ball, watching ball, you know, playing, you know, just whether it's staying up until twelve, one, two thirty at night, you know, doing video clips or, you know, watching games. So the little things that I could find about you, I mean, you, you have quite the interesting resume and, and CV when it, when it comes to jobs. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some of them out there, and I'm really gonna be interested to see uh, what comes out. From you, so I, I'm seeing, you know, a studio assistant, and it seems like an, an art gallery. Um, How'd you find this? I'm telling you, so so we so I I, I went deep, <laughs> man. I went deep. I said if I'm gonna get Matt Brooks on the pod, I gotta come. I gotta come ready to go. So this is like a Nardwar interview. Yes. <laughs> so so inventory processor for uh, Nordstrom, camp counselor, and account oh, manager for. What looks like a a company called Apex Life, which it seems like a staffing (laughs) agency, and a buyer's agent for a company called Silva Coast Realty. So when Uh, I say that, when I say all that, what's the first thing that comes to your mind in terms of whether it's just been a a long journey to becoming a a hoops writer or is there anything that pops out when I list those jobs, those occupations that it just comes to mind immediately?
0: First off, that's the greatest question I've ever been
1: asked. <laughs> yeah, no, no, like no holds barred. That's incredible. There we that's go. Starting iconic. off on the right foot. Um. First off, I need to take my resume off Indeed. Like whatever the hell is floating <laughs> around on in
0: Indeed, I don't know how you removed that. Link,
1: LinkedIn LinkedIn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I need to take some of that down. No. Um. Yeah. I. The biggest thing you can take away from that is that I don't have a journalistic background. Okay. It doesn't take that much research to figure out. I've been doing the sports thing for about a year and a half, maybe a little more than that. Um, And, you know, I I kind of, it's humble beginnings for me. Um, I started doing this. It's funny, I've always been interested in film, um, you know, to the degree of what I'm doing now, probably not at that level. But um, when I had these jobs, I had a lot of, like, you know, I affectionately call them dead end sales jobs because I don't know <laughs> what else to call them. Yeah. But um, I would take, you know, like I would go to the bathroom or I would sit at my desk and go through film and watch the best players in the league do what they do. And I would compare and contrast. And um, that was just like sort of mental things that I would do just to sort of pass some. I've always loved basketball. I can sit down and watch any game or whatever have you, uh, any level and just enjoy it and look for little things that stick out to me, little idiosyncrasies that. Um, make this game so compelling for me. So I started doing this and then eventually at the latter half, I'm sure you can look that up as as a buyer's agent at Silver Coast Realty, um, which I love that you have that.
1: <laughs>
0: um, I started really, you know, taking these thoughts that I was having about players. And again, this is all like general NBA stuff. This wasn't for really any specific team and jotting those thoughts. And and describing what I was seeing, and it wasn't necessarily the most in-depth takes or whatever have you, but it was just me trying to get, uh, I guess, like a creative outlet for me right. and something that I was really interested in. So that's kind of where all this started. I did this on my own website, which I was paying for out of pocket, um, which was a big deal at that point because I wasn't making any money because I was terrible at real estate. So,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it was a, it was my one real like passion project, I guess, at that time. And then. You know, from there, it, it's it's expanded in different ways, and I'm sure there are other questions um, that you have about that. So I don't
1: want to. Yeah, on that. no, no, no. It's 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 fine. It's so I was I'm interested. Uh, first off, I I guess I couldn't find that. So what was the the name of the site?
0: Um. Yeah. Good luck finding that. Uh. It was my. So this is this is a deep cut. Um. I have a general NBA podcast that I never do anymore. Uh, I've typically always done it with like my friends from home, which is California. Um, and it's called Beers and Ball. Yeah, it's not the most pro- technically professional name. No, but I like
1: it though. I've it, seen I've seen you post it a couple of times.
0: Yeah, I, I will never ever. You know, it's like a. I don't know. It's like something I can never really let go because it is kind of like my my past in a lot of ways. Like right. it's exactly what got me into sports. So I started doing this Beers and Ball podcast with one of my really really good friends who now lives in Germany and is doing. Um, like marketing and stuff like that. And uh, he we started this podcast about, I think, like four years ago. Um, I got really into the podcast more so than he did. And I created a website also called com, which is no longer uh, a running website, if you're wondering. So you. good luck looking that up. But, yeah, it was like your basic, you know, uh, monster-sponsored website. Um, and I would write these articles. It really started I, – I got really deep into it with the uh, – I think it was the twenty seventeen playoffs when I was really really deep into it doing this stuff. But yeah, I started writing there, started doing articles on it. Um, I think there's a couple saved on my Medium channel, which if you find that also, good luck to that.
1: Because <laughs> I gotta say I wasn't able to get there, but I mean, hey, you know these are these are all good tips for for my future research, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, my Medium my Medium um account is where I've saved a lot of my like really, really early stuff just because I know that like, well, now I've kind of blown it for myself, but not many people are going to come across that.
1: Right. Uh, it's like me suited up. It's like a, a picture of actually when I was doing real estate. So slick back hair, you got like the yeah, yeah, gecko yeah, going on, exactly like kind of the
0: look I've, I've regressed back into. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it, that's where all that stuff is. That's funny that you're bringing all this up. I haven't thought about this in ages.
1: Oh yeah, listen. Um, like I said, I, I think it's always good to get people. Um, you know, it's, it's funny we had Danny on and like uh, he was kind of like talking to me like, oh man, you guys got got me all nostalgic on the pod. Like, cause we <laughs> talked about his, we talked a lot about his high school sports career and kind of like. He's always loved basketball, right? And he's always been kind of like the scrappy defensive guard. And, and I yep. feel like um, things like that in your youth, you know, I, I feel like they translate into who you are as a writer, who you are as an athlete today, or, and obviously his work ethic and, and the way that he writes and, and um, what he does for Elite Sports NY is great. So yep. whenever we have writers on, I, I kind of just, I, I like to go into the past a little bit um and just just see you know what 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 kind of went on with the journey like what what brought you here obviously and and um what influences your writing because i think it all matters um and then so the the next thing i wanted to kind of transition into is so this is kind of like uh the rap genius section of the pod so
0: this is so good so
1: i was telling you (laughs) so i was telling you before that I wanted to talk about two specific articles that I've, I've read of yours. Obviously, I've, I've read more than that, but um, there were two articles. I didn't want to tell you which ones, but that, that I kind of felt uh, spoke to me a little bit, but also I was interest, interested to see kind of like where you came up with um, the idea and just like the execution piece. Um, so I guess I, I'm, I'm going to give you a chance to talk about your bars a little bit here. Okay. Um, so the first one is the Brooklyn is the perfect home for Kyrie Irving article. Uh, oh wow! Yeah. So I, I, this is a this is a really good one for a lot of reasons, but uh, Kyrie and KD are obviously a, a huge coup for Brooklyn this past summer. Changed the landscape of the NBA. Changed the landscape of Brooklyn. Anyone that's a fan of the team, anyone that's covering the team it's like Christmas for you. You know what I mean? Like it just changes everything. Um, And we all know that Kyrie is like a really eccentric guy, like super intelligent, thinks the game, speaks the game really well. Sometimes that can get him into a little bit of trouble. Um, but, But specifically there was a part where you talked about you know, Bushwick and, and some of the, the restaurants and, and kind of like mainstays around your area. And I'm going to butcher this name a little bit, so you got to tell me how it's supposed to be pronounced. But Okay. So you talk about places like Roberta's, and then there's like a- <laughs> a- a- Alien, I think. Alien or A-I-L-E. Oh, oh the little – the, the hat short. Yeah. 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 Um, and then a place called wow. Catland. So honestly, th- this is why I wanted to bring this up. So as writers – inspiration comes to you like in a bunch of different places. So take me back to where you were, like legitimately where you were when you thought of that, like when you thought of that piece and how it would tie to Kyrie, like what, how did that come to you?
0: Damn, this is a deep cut. So it's funny. Like I, I think about, I, I went back and I did like kind of like a little bit of like a, it's funny. Like this is a good timing for this. I went back into like a little nostalgia run over, um, Articles that I wrote last summer because last summer was obviously madness with those two guys deciding to sign here. Right. Um, This is the one, and I wrote it, and I remember putting this out and thinking, This is like, I was really proud of it. I felt like it was a really personal narrative. um, And I felt like it would apply to somebody that's kind of eccentric like him. And I'm sure you've been there. You put out an article, doesn't do as well as you think it would, like, with whoever is reading you.
1: Right. And
0: by circumstance, there's a little bit of that that kind of taints the way you look at it. So I actually, in thinking about this article right now, you're putting me on the spot. I'm really happy that you brought this up because I have not thought about this article in about, I mean, I, I guess really since June. Since the summer, right? It. So this is crazy. Um, all right. Yeah. Writing this article, uh, it was in June. I One, I'm not a huge Kyrie fan. Okay. Let's put this out there. I was never a Kyrie fan um and a lot of that came down to personality to the loyalty that he had with his former team if right. we're being completely frank right um just the way that he handled his situation the the post game quotes whatever have you that he gave in boston didn't really ever sit well with me right um and when they were in the talks with for signing him i realized like this is there's a one a really good chance that this is going to happen Two, just because that somebody handles things differently than me, I need to at least try to see it from the other side. Not everybody's built alike, whatever have you. So he signs in Brooklyn. I think about Kyrie Irving. There's all the crazy, you know, flat earth, you know, the the crazy conspiracies, the crazy postgame comments. And I was thinking at that point I was in, you know, it was middle of June, um, if, if you don't know if you don't live in New York and if you're listening to this um, after like once I guess like April rolls around and, and you know you really start to get into May and June the weather's finally nice like you're finally able to go outside you're able to do stuff you don't have to deal like the weird like April rainstorms like you're finally able to go out and enjoy the surrounding area that you're in I'm in a cool area that's the, all those you know the hat shop the restaurants around there. They're right around me, so I was going to all these places, and it's a very strange area that I'm in. It's it's a lot of people like it for that reason, but it is like really idiosyncratic in a lot of ways. So because I'm going out, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm thinking about well, Kyrie Irving's coming to Brooklyn. What compels him? And I'm you know just taking in my surroundings in a lot of ways, and I'm just like, why wouldn't he want to come here? Like this is the weirdest area. There's no other area in the United States, maybe other than like a Portland or something like that. And I'm like, in a way, it makes so much sense. So that's kind of what my takeaway was. Um, and I don't, I probably have to go back and reread that article and see if I hammered it home. But New York, Brooklyn especially, is so many different people and so many different lifestyles and personalities and, and interests, most of all, um, living on top of each other, like quite literally living on top of each other. Yeah. That I was like, you know what? Like, Somebody like Kyrie, who has made so many enemies, at least at that point, that's what it looked like, until, of course, all his Celtic teammates came out after the fact and said, no, we were cool with him. Yeah. It really seemed like he was kind of an outcast in the NBA, but this is the one place for him to like specifically you know, find a circle of people that are like-minded to him and find things that he would like to do, because that's what it just seemed like. It was like, Boston's a sports city, maybe not the best fit for him, maybe it's time for him to find things that are interesting to him, so... You know, I think a lot of it was talking. You know, for I'm not necessarily a fan of the team, but given that he's going to be in the area for a foreseeable uh, portion of time, I am going to have to talk myself into it a little bit, just a little bit, because you
1: know. And I, there's I, personality too. I think I think it made sense, and honestly, I, I think the the more I hear you talk about it, it 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 came it came through. I think in the writing, like. It was summer. The weather was nice. It was like the the mood was great, and and the news yep. was great at the time too, and so it's like there was another piece in the article that I thought um, was really interesting, and it was it was you talking about, you know, when he gets traded to the Celtics and he doesn't pick the Celtics. It's like he's instructed to pick up the pieces of a historic franchise that he didn't choose, right? But he chose Brooklyn, and and the way that you're talking about it, it's like Kyrie. Um, May or may not see his, himself as an outcast. like like you said, it sounded like Boston teammates came out afterwards and gave him support. But at least on a national media or national pers- perspective, there's you know there's some love hate there with Kyrie for better or sure. for worse, right? And I could totally see kind of like your narrative or your idea in terms of like, well, this is what Brooklyn accepts everybody. like like we we right. take everybody and we give everybody a home. And, and and I think you know to an extent that could have been in Manhattan, but maybe not with the national media, um, because yep. and it's and it's going to go to something that I'm going to try to tie to KD later. Um, but both guys just want to hoop, you know, when it comes down to it. For the most part, right? Yeah, maybe Brooklyn, as opposed to the Knicks, could be that spot uh, where you can just hoop, you know, and, and not have that kind of like garden spotlight or whatever it is um right but i but i see that i definitely see that for sure um there so actually we'll go into kd next then so the next article i wanted to go into and i, I also this is another one that i really liked uh the kevin Durant is growing up before our eyes article do you you guys you remember that one
0: that, that's one of my favorites i've yeah, ever
1: done definitely so um I think what really stood out to me was the idea of KD picking Brooklyn based on where he was in his life. So, yep. um, for me, and obviously you correct me where I'm wrong, the theme of this article seems to be that, you know, KD obviously hit a point in his career where he was tired of, I think, having other people tell his story. He doesn't want to be held back by the own. By his own public image, but of how others perceive him. So he leaves OKC. Um, didn't like the offensive style there. You know, maybe playing with Russ wasn't the easiest thing. They had made a finals, but maybe he didn't see the growth that he wanted as a basketball player. Moves out to the Bay Area um, and and plays in. You know, probably one of the more fluid and just like aesthetically appe- appeasing. Uh, basketball styles that you can have with Draymond Green as the fulcrum, and, and Steph and Clay running around and, and just getting open shots, and everybody sharing the ball. Um, you know, he gets he gets um, his his not necessarily his fame and acclaim, but championships there and 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 MVPs as well. Um, and then you know, it, it's like what's next for him. So a lot of people saw that you know, as well, a lot of people saw the first move as cop out. um, But I think it was KD just kind of taking control and saying like, no, like, you know, this was never going to be my team. And for whatever reason, whatever legacy I want to leave, you know, this is what I'm choosing. So that seemed to me to be kind of like, the crux of the article, Uh in in terms of like him um, choosing Brooklyn, what did you what did you kind of feel when you were writing it?
0: Um, so originally that article was not at all positive if, if we're being honest. I, so this was, yeah, another one that I wrote in summer, which was there. I mean, all right. So there's a couple ways that I want to get into this. Um, I wrote this at summer. I was working a lot. I was trying to make money. Uh, I, am not full time with journalism. I, <laughs> it's going to be a little while for me. So, um. I was I I serve on weekends. I just kind of make ends meet that way. I wrote this entire article on like a little serving book. Um, I think I took up about like 13 different pages and it was just like scribbles for ideas Man. and um it it came from that original article that I that I cited. It was I believe J R I don't know I'm trying to remember his name, but I think it was J R Mooringer or
1: something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So we had this big long column and originally the idea was that It was more like a negative, like, can Brooklyn really trust this guy? You know, he, every single system he's been in, he's had some sort of complaint about it. But the more I thought about it and the more I realized is that's kind of life. Like you don't really realize what you have in front of you. I experienced that still today. I'm 25. I'm going to do that three other times in my life. Right. (laughs) I guarantee you. And I'm going to take something for granted. And, you know, maybe that's something that I, 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 I expect myself to grow out of it. I don't know if I'll ever grow out of that. There are just certain things that you do with that, I think, in life. Um, and that may not be true for everybody. I, I don't want to speak for uh, you know, the whole population that's listening to this. But um, I know personally from a, from a real – and a lot of these articles that I was doing over summer, Like that's the nice thing about free agency and new guys coming to town that have um, such long histories detailed in, in basketball literature – is the, and you know, and, and just seeing them day to day in terms of like being in front of the press, is that you don't really have any biases. Like it's kind of like a blank stri- slate in a lot of ways. Like right. I've watched Terran, I've watched Kyrie for years and years and years, but I've never really thought about, oh, like what would it be like to be in front of these people and, and ask them questions or try to get to know these people on like a personal level. And, and, and I think that that was the inspiration for a lot of it. Obviously, you can look at it from the per- perspective of like, Oh, what would a Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant pick and roll look like? Would, would Kevin Durant be the pick and pop guy? But you can also look at it and it just so happens with these two specific guys that they have such strong and distinct personalities and are just so pronounced, whether it be for Durant on social media or Kyrie just as a person. I know. So that was kind of my inspiration, I think, was to, you know, look through his career. He's had such a weird career. He, he, was right on the edge of winning a championship. He went to a team that realistically beat him uh, from a deficit of three to one. And he went to this team in one of the most polarizing moves maybe ever. And, you know, I think that a lot of that is to try to understand why. I personally wasn't a fan of the move when he went to the from the Thunder okay, to the Warriors. So, so yeah. it's weird to be on the other side of that and then all of a sudden have that guy that – was such a polarizing figure um, and mercurial personality suddenly be in the Nets organization but I think that was kind of the the idea the ideology behind it was just trying to analyze this from his first-person perspective and I think that was what was so interesting about, about these two guys um, coming to Brooklyn was it was two guys that I never always seen eye to eye with right and I think that made it more interesting to cover. It's a lot different. if like LeBron James came. I would be like, okay, well, I like pretty much every move that you've made, <laughs> and uh, this is going to be fun. Like, I it, I think it was interesting. It was an interesting challenge for me this summer to like try to you know basically. I mean, they are two of the they're up there as two of the hardest guys to like work with historically speaking, in, in terms of the things that you've seen on and off the floor.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I can definitely see that. I, I think. Um, for me, the thing I'm always interested in is, especially you know, when it comes to like the recent comments that Kyrie's made. Uh, how do the Nets, who, whether it's perceived and I mean, I think at this point it, it it's got to be real to an extent, and, and maybe I'm just a bitter Knicks fan trying to hope that it's not. But I mean, the Nets clearly do have a culture. They clearly do have uh, something good going on, you know, yep. from, from management on down. And so I'm very interested, and I I, I guess if you're a fan, I'm hoping it doesn't make it to the public, but how they deal with those comments internally. You know, like what type of conversations do we think they would have with Kyrie? How receptive is he to that? Because he did come out and address them afterwards, and I I don't remember all of his comments, but – you know, he was, you know, on one hand, he pushed back and he said, you know, uh, it's not like I'm an asshole all the time or whatever. Right. Um, but I do wonder if the Nets, you know, number one, internally have conversations from, from Marks to Atkinson, like, you know, how do, or if Marks is like, listen, you know, Kenny, how do you want to address this? How do you yep. want to talk to him? Because Kenny, to me. You know, and obviously I don't watch him a lot. He seems very much like a no-nonsense type of guy. Like I, sure. like I don't see him, like being extremely like nuanced and like very detailed with like a a disciplinary conversation. Not even saying that it's disciplinary, but like in a way that he would address Kyrie, like like listen, we want you to express yourself, but um, you know we have to be mindful of of what or whatever you want to say, right? I, I see Kenny being a lot more like. Listen, like, what are you doing? You know, like, and sure. maybe Sean taking the role of, like, you know, obviously we want you to express yourself, but I, I just, I'm very interested to see what th- what those types of conversations would be, and and what Kyrie's response to them would be. But what do you what do you think? I, I guess based on watching them, like, how do you think that would go?
0: So Kyrie's the ultimate test case. Example for the culture thing because as you said, they want players to be comfortable, they yeah. want players to be themselves. Unfortunately, sometimes when Kyrie is himself and he's somebody, I don't know how to say this without sounding like rude, but he's somebody that I feel like when he starts talking, it's just like it just it like the sentences go on and on right. and on. He digs right. himself deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. And as we've seen this last week, whether or not you want to say, oh, we should have listed out the whole team, it was stupid of him to, li- to make a list of players in the first place, right. because it obviously left a situation where somebody's going to be left off. right? Or it's like, why are you making a list of... It just was a weird way to handle that. So it puts them in a tough spot with their backs against the wall, or at least the organization with their backs against the wall, where they now have a guy that has free range to kind of do as he wants, do as he pleases. That's the whole thing. It's a family atmosphere. But sometimes this is a guy that can be a little, I guess, a little cryptic, a little uh, a little like just, I don't know, he, he walks the edge of, of what you should and shouldn't say in a, in a game that realistically is a team sport. Right. Um, and he's run into this before. And it, it, it always seems to come out in losses, which, by the way, I don't think anybody expected – this team to be like a top end top end team there were going to be losses this year
1: right
0: you know you're missing 30 million dollars worth of talent right um you know whether you thought they were, the nets were going to win 45 wins or 37 wins or whatever have you there were still going to be periods of time when this team was going to be losing um and i mean honestly me and nolan who uh you know i am sure you, you know nolan from yes yeah. why oh, yeah. um we talked about this recently, and we, we said uh, that this was a probably like the worst case scenario for the team, and like you kind of had to expect that. Like you bring in two guys, that's there's two sides of the coin. One, you're getting two, you know, all time historical Hall of Fame talents, and the other side is these are two guys. What with Durant now and Kyrie always is that you're dealing with injury concerns. So this is what you're going to deal with. You're going to deal with inconsistency and stuff like that. So I think Kyrie's a really interesting case in that you know he's pushing this nets culture thing to the max like is this actually a real thing of team culture or is this like a a selling point for other players is this something that it does only applies to like role players that are looking to scrap their way into the nba i think right. it's fascinating and i think thus far what we've seen is that he can pretty much do a lot of what he wants he right. can come back from an injury without any notification from the coach and he can come out and he can ad- make comments and he can sort of address them but then refer himself to MLK and like, do other things it's like it's a weird season i think for that in a lot of ways so it's also i'm interested to see if they have i'm not saying they don't have a full like handle of the situation but i do think it's i'm i'm one of the people that i think is in the minority that's keeping an eye on it
1: i think um i think what you bring up is a really good point like i think it is a good test especially with KD out to see how they can kind of manage and navigate these situations. Um, and whatever they want to do, reflect in the offseason and say like, what do we need What do we need to do to, to change this or address this right. uh, next season? And obviously you want Kyrie to be a part of those conversations too. Um, but there is one other thing that um, before we go into a little bit more of the current Nets, there was something that I, I wanted to try and get your opinion on. So I noticed – uh, especially last year, I think probably when it wasn't so popular, you were a very strong supporter of D'Angelo Russell, and yes. I and I and I wanted to ask, um, you know, what specifically was it about his game that struck you the most? Because I know for myself, I have players that I like that not other people like, and and I do kind of have an understanding of why that is. Um, and I wanted to also ask, like. Do you think this is also maybe the first prime national example of Nets player development really like hitting a home run in the sense that this was a top 3 I think top 3 lottery pick
0: number that
1: two. yeah 2015 num- number 2 2015 that was you know amidst all types of controversy in LA you know a, a lot of negative stuff said about his game and he comes to Brooklyn he balls out Um, he improves in a lot of different areas of his game. You know, you still had people within the Nets, uh, I think fan base, a little hesitant about his ceiling and, and what maybe committing to him long-term would look like, or what your ball club would look like with him, maybe being the primary option. But I know that you were high on him and I wanted to see, because I, I like, I loved what the Nets did with him. I'm not a huge Russell guy, but... But I, I, you know, for him to make the type of jump that he did, I, I thought was really impressive. So what what kind of drew you to him? Um,
0: so, Russell's a complicated story for me because it, it has a lot of arcs. Um, I remember watching them preseason, and, you know, this is when I first started covering the team. I haven't been covering them that long. I think most people know that by now, if you don't, there you go. I haven't been
1: covering the tape <laughs> at all. <laughs>
0: no, but I watched them preseason. Actually, it was against the net, uh, the Knicks, I believe. And, um, you know, watching him live, I got to see him sort of warm up and take threes. And I remember saying, like, oh, he's, like, adjusted his mechanics a little bit. Like, it was just a little bit um, smoother. I-, I-, I always, like, I'm not going to say I'm, like, a shot doctor because that's ridiculous. But I do – I have, like, a little bit of an eye – like just a little bit for when guys adjust the way they shoot. I like, I, I don't know, like I, I don't know if that means I understand what the best shooting form is, but I certainly know when something looks just like a tad different for better or for worse. Um, so I remember watching him. I said, okay, he adjusted his mechanics and then, and I, I wasn't super high on Russell coming into covering them. I, I kind of just like thought that he was a, a, a very like ball dependent, um, scoring guard versus like really more of a point guard um and i I, the first couple years i just didn't feel like his passing translated that much and the first two months he was a lot of that it was like you'd get like a really great performance then you get three really bad performances that was kind of like the story of russell's career um really up to that point i know he had varying degrees of success in la um he went through injuries in his first season in brooklyn but first two months of last year were really bad like he was Like, there were real arguments to be made that Dinwiddie was the better point guard long-term, for them, at least. Um, So, I, you know, first two months start, you know, really don't go well, and then Dinwiddie starts heating up, I think, middle of, maybe, maybe early December. I have to think about when he got his extension, but he starts playing out of his mind. That doesn't bode well for Russell, who, by the way, at this point is starting over him, and everybody's now having questions about, oh, should Russell even be starting? Should this be a Dinwiddie team? All of a sudden he starts lighting it up near the end of December. It's like right after the really tough Utah loss, which I actually went to and watched in person. And it was one of the most boring basketball games I've ever been to. It just was like this just total low that I've never really seen a basketball team have. Um, I think it was like right after Jared Dudley and Davis, or maybe right before um, they, they had like a team meeting with all the young guys and stuff. So, you know, I, I, see this this game and then all of a sudden he starts like putting together these solid performances and those solid performances turn into very good performances and then by March you have the Sacramento performance and all of those little mistakes that he was making um, he wasn't really doing as much his, his playmaking really really started coming along I remember was, like, one of the first D'Angelo Ruskell uh, articles I wrote was on his playmaking not so much as outside shooting um, and with his passing and um, his mid range going coming along, the three points start falling. And, um, basically he became this, like, not like a, you know, like a lot of new age point guards. It's all about three point shooting and, and volume scoring in a lot of ways, but he was kind of a flash of the past of guys that I really liked. So like a CP three in a lot of ways, that's like one of my favorites ever. Yeah. Um, he's like a pass first three point shooting guy. He's like an outside shooting guy. So I really liked him for that. Um, I have admittedly not watched him a ton this year. I watched him pretty pretty often early and then uh when Curry went out I was kind of out on it at that point cuz I just I can't watch a 10-win basketball team, but um I he's made the right adjustments this year with his at-rim shooting and his free throws I think have doubled. So I, he's always somebody that I hold pretty closely. And yeah, he was the first like real net success with development, more so than even like a Joe Harrison and Dinwiddie. Um you know, I, 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 he could be in the mix pretty easily, in my opinion, at least, as like one of the better point guards in the league. I still
1: I would, feel that way. I would be very interested to see if if a trade uh, ever happens with the Timberwolves, because I, I would, I would like to see how he would fit there. I, I'm not sure about that combination with him and Wiggins, but I know that the, the Timberwolves are tired of trying the point Wiggins experiment. So yeah. Uh, you know, I think it would be interesting for them, but I would like to see him. I mean, he's getting plenty of opportunities now, but I would like to see how he did on a, on a semi-competitive team. And um, you know, if, if he's got the free range and that's like his home for two or three years, kind of like how he could do in that situation.
0: Sure. Cause he needs the ball. Like yeah. we've, I think it's pretty clear that he's a guy that likes the ball in the pick and roll. He can either make plays to the bigs or kick out or even bring it back and, 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 either shoot from mid range or, you know, kind of like reinvigorate the pick and roll. He's, he's a, he's a guy that's, that, that really, I feel like uses the full, um, you know, the full 30 seconds or, or whatever have you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, 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 like, he's fun to watch and, um, I, you, 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 miss that a little bit with the Nets. They like to, sh- they really like to shoot early into the shot clock this year. And I don't think you have that as much. He's so precise with everything he does.
1: Yeah, no, I can, I can uh, definitely see that for sure. Um, there's one more kind of uh, sports blog question I want to hit you with before we get back to kind of current nets and and wrap it up with just you know just a little summary of review of kind of how things have gone this year. Um, so as someone who you know I've watched obviously kind of like really expand your presence, whether it's on on Twitter or just with content, film stuff like that. I think like the way that like any writer or blogger interacts with you know people on, on Twitter or how, however it's always very interesting to me. Like everybody's personality style is very different. So as you as your coverage of the Nets has grown or or as your writing has grown, have you changed the way that that whether you debate or defend or uh, argue on Twitter with people? Are there any interactions that like? You can think about that you regret or – because I, I feel like we all go through this. Like we all go through this. We all have like little – the small Twitter beefs here and there or something like that. You may leave and you may be like, damn, like either I forgot to say this or like why did I even engage in that? But like yeah. what's that process been like for you?
0: Uh, not getting into them. When I first got on Twitter, I just like – I battled with everybody. Like this was life or death for me. Yeah. Um which is not really like my personality which it's which is kind of funny like I'll usually I'm not a fighter at all like that's not my personality yeah um I laugh things off a lot and um I think especially lately on Twitter like I the more I have done this like you'd think I would kind of like scale it back and like try to give like more reporting type stuff but I've just kind of gone the opposite direction like I'll just share whatever I'm thinking, and like, I, to, to, sometimes do a fault, you know, where it's like I probably shouldn't have shared that, like you know, shared a clip of somebody not doing something well, you know, when I'm trying to, in a lot of ways, like build relationships with guys on the team and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think my biggest thing that I've come away with is just like, I, because I've been through that. I've been through the situation where you have an argument. And especially if it's like very public and it's you know something that's on your it's on your timeline, yeah. you're just like, ah, you know what? I probably shouldn't be arguing with, uh, you know, at J Money seven hundred sixty seven <laughs> <laughs> about Paul Millsap's fit, right? And in the middle of June, where everybody can see it because there's nothing else to talk about, like right. Um, I think I've learned to kind of like not do that as much. And if it's like really, really negative, I mean, I, I'm only human. I still do it here and there, but I don't know. I, I think that I've learned not to do it as much. If anything, my biggest like blemishes now on Twitter are me just like putting out something that's, you know, I, I, I I joke a lot as a person, like I'm pretty lighthearted about a lot of just like how I do things in life. Like I just, I use a, pretty heavy heavy dose of sarcasm i think in a lot of ways right so that's the, the problem i now go through <laughs> it's like like do i have to be so sarcastic about everything like yeah. there's some things where i could just give you the stats and not have to make a joke about it's it? It?
1: It's also tough because sarcasm on the internet as as we ever, often talk about translate. it never translates ever never translate. so it's just so, like wait what do you mean matt like <laughs> what do you mean is, we're gonna trade uh, joe harris yeah, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah
0: like oh wait you really wouldn't keep uh you would keep Karis LaVert out of Anthony Davis trade talks. Right, right,
1: right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no,
0: I mean, well, so I actually, I said that the other day when Kyrie had his, uh, his like, I don't know if you saw the things about Julius Irving and him with like the same like pronunciation. Yeah, he was like, that's the out, last
1: time the Nets won a championship, right? Yeah yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So I tweeted out something like along the lines of like making jokes and them not translating is like such a mood for me, and like it, that's still so much the case
1: because oh, I yeah. still. <laughs> Oh yeah,
0: it's definitely me on on, on the internet a lot. But yeah. there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, as I think as we as we come to the end, uh, I, I guess I kind of want to finish up here with just like a, a review of the net season. I don't want to go, you know, so crazy, but there's been there's been a lot, right? I, I mean, I think for a yeah. team that had uh, I think some some pretty good vibes going into the season. I don't think they're. I don't think they're in a terrible place by any means right now. They're they're still in a, they still have a you know playoff seating. I know they're playing the Lakers tomorrow. Um, they've they've come through some injuries. You know that's a big part of this. Um, you know one of their biggest offseason signings in Kyrie Irving has missed a lot of time this year. It's been at least from my um, vantage point seems a difficult. Fit at some times to see how he yes. how he fits, you know, with the offense. Yes. But you've also had some positives, man. Spencer Dinwiddie, as as a whole, I think has had a really good season. Uh, and this guy, Nick Claxton, man, uh, he looks like a player. Like he mm-hmm. looks really good. But you know, where do you see the next thirty some odd games going for this team? And is it is it a is it a you know? If they don't get above the six seed, is it a failure? Um, how do we define success and failure for this team kind of going forward?
0: I mean, it's not a good season, so we can put it that way. We can yeah. put that out of – put that to rest. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want me to be 100% honest, which I'm assuming you would because it's the point of a podcast, yeah. <laughs> um, the Nets this year – and I say that this year, um, they haven't really had a ton of – Oh, they haven't had really much at all of Kyrie Irving, and the times they've had him, it's been kind of sporadic, and it's been tough. They've been trying to work out rotations with all the guard talent they have. They haven't had a ton of Karis LaVert in the lineup, and he's somebody that kind of takes a while to get going. Um, just sad because always, it always feels like he's returning from an injury, yeah. which is the sad tale of his career thus far, at least. Um, the Nets this year, they're the classic... Eight seed, Eastern Conference team that you never really want to watch. It's like the Pistons from a couple of years ago, even before they had Blake. Right. They're really boring to watch this year. It's okay. it's highly unfortunate, wow. and I'm saying that from man to man. I personally, if I didn't cover this team, I really would never watch them. Oh, wow. I think that's the general take because I, I took a, like a little temperature take to. Uh, sometimes you got to realize, like, am I just being? Spoiled and watching the same team over and over. Like, am I just having attrition from this? But I know I'm not the only one that feels this way. Right. Um, I actually had a, a buddy of mine who I've done a, a couple podcasts with, uh, Doug Nori. He he's very like he's a very smart guy. Um, he's also like really really good statistically. He compiled, like, a mean average of all the answers because I did, like, a let's do a temperature take, like, one out of ten in terms of watchability. Yeah. And I think the he said the average was around, like, a 4.2. Wow. So, okay. I Like, Nets, you know, even the most deva- – I'm not a Nets fan, all right? I, I'm from California. I have no ties to the Nets. Right. I started out covering the Knicks and the Nets. Um, I Again, I don't have a ton of ties to this team. The average Nets fan – does not like watching this Nets team. And I think it is kind of the same things that I've sort of touched on a little bit earlier was early shots in the shot clock. Um, They're bottom 10 in passes per game. It's a lot of pick and roll. It's a lot of guys going downhill and attempting to finish among the trees. And that includes somebody that was like such a fan favorite, such a delight last year in Joe Harris or, you know, even like a Karis LeVert. It's like these guys that, we're delightful to watch this year, I think are being put in tough positions. It's a weird offense that I don't know. Perhaps they just need more time to figure it out, but it does feel like something's off. And I don't know what that stems from, but it's a frustrating year. Not so much that, because I know that there was probably a regression to be expected from being as, you know, they really exceeded expectations last year. Mm Like to be completely honest from you or honest with you, but, um, I think that there was a regression to be expected just because it's another year of scouting. This is a team that went from the team that nobody really expected to be much of anything to this is a team now with two superstars and a a title contender in the next couple of years, like other opposing teams, whether they want to admit that or not are going to take you a little more seriously. So
1: I think, um, one, one thing I, I, I literally just thought of now is I remember the Nets, Nets team last year, obviously, uh, much more of a feel-good story, they had made such a drastic turnaround. I'm going to ask you real quick. What was their – how many games did they lose in a row uh, early? What were? What was that record before they started to turn it around?
0: Oh, you're putting me on the spot. No, uh, I'd say it's
1: okay. It was, I think they were w- – weren't they like 11 in – Or twenty I feel like they had lost like 10 or 11 in a row or 7 or 8. Either way, it's something like that, right? But there was obviously a big turnaround. In your opinion, does this team have that DNA – to to right the ship um, as we get into the second half of the season. Um,
0: I don't know. I I like I don't know who's going to step up unless right. it's it's unless it's a healthy Kyrie Irving, and even then it's just like. Kyrie is a tricky, a really tricky player. In that he's fantastic to watch. He can swing games, but a lot of it is so much. Through his efforts, and a lot of it's just through his scoring. That if he's either on, he can swing a game, and if he isn't on, because that does happen, there are games where it's like, oh man, Kyrie's not having a good game. Um, it he doesn't really affect the game. I don't. I don't know if that sounds like blatant hating or what, but it just kind of is. Like that's what I've noticed so far in watching Kyrie for the first year, like really, really consistently. The guy that swings it is Durant, unfortunately. Um, and I it seems like you know the latest update on him is that he's not taking any jump shots, which really truthfully tells me he's probably not going to play this year. I, 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 which is what I would, you know, and honestly, in good faith, I would hope that he doesn't play this year. So you're kind of, I feel like you're maxing out it. Like the, the Spencer Dinwiddie credit card is maxed out. Like you're, you're <laughs> yes, you're as that's much a
1: as really good yet. way to put it. I think, you know what uh, I, mean? like I think you're getting the most sense.
0: Dinwiddie, uh, Ethereum coins that you could possibly
1: get. Yeah. So, wow.
0: Um, and, you know, after that, it's like maybe a Karis LeVert could swing a couple of games. But I don't know if you're just getting that consistent force that I think you were getting from Russell, who is still one of the best clutch players in the league this year. Yeah, um, That was the difference, is that this team looks terrified of the moment down the stretch. And they, they obviously had somebody that could handle that last year. Hmm. You know, maybe okay. they have that in Kyrie, but they need to get him on the floor for more than three weeks at a time.
1: <laughs> oh, they, they most definitely do. Yeah. Okay, Matt. Last thing here. Uh, I was remembering we, we hit Danny with this one before he he um, he finished on our pod as well. So if you could name three b- basketball players, current or past, that you feel like make up your personality, or um, you know, either either when you're an athlete or as a writer, who <laughs> would they be?
0: Woo, that's a damn good question. Uh three athletes.
1: Well, oh, three, man. three, go, go with three basketball players, NBA current or past.
0: Oh my god, uh, that's so good. Three basketball players. Who's like a really? Uh, I need to think of like somebody like kind of jovial. Like is a. I don't, I, I don't know who – I'm, like, only thinking of net, Nets because my brain just isn't
1: – No, <laughs> I know. I know. I, I'm, I'm the this same so way. Tricky. I'm the same. Well, listen. I mean, if you want to go jovial, Luka Doncic these days is is about as jovial as they come.
0: Yeah. He's up there. Um, you know, DeAndre Jordan might be up there.
1: Okay. And I don't okay. know
0: if I'd be as well-liked as he is, but I <laughs> – I, I, I Like, he is the thing where he just – he likes to dish on people and he, like – when he's doing interviews at least, he just can't take anything seriously. Yeah. I'm like, that would be, that would be me. Like if you ask me a question and I just like, whether or not because I'm actually nervous or because I like, wasn't like fully understanding the question, I would probably just make some sort of like a joke about a it. Joke. Yeah. Um, so maybe a little DeAndre Jordan. I'm going to try to use like my, try to like expand my mega brain here and like go a little bit
1: beyond. <laughs> <the> <laughs> it's a tough um, question.
0: Damn. I don't know. Uh, well, all right. I'll think about like the type of content I put out. It's, it's certainly different from, I think most of the people on the Nets beat. So I had to think about somebody who's like, there's like a kind of, not like one of a kind in like a historical sense, but just like one of a kind in a, like that. I just, I don't know like I, I, at least in what I'm doing, it's pretty unique for the, the Nets right. beat. So right. it needs to be somebody that doesn't fit with any of their other teammates.
1: Well, I would say... you like Evan Turner. Well, you know like like well, like what? Turner. That's a good one. I was actually going to say Ben Simmons because, oh, uh, I'll take that. you know, Ben Simmons is, uh, I mean, obviously his height and length, but as a primary ball handler, you're not going to see a lot of that. Um, you know, I think I think that's probably maybe along the lines of what you're looking for. Evan Turner is a good one too, though, because he's, he's clearly like a productive player i don't think he's he's never gonna move the needle but you can tell that he's skilled right like he's very skilled but there's not one thing that he does really really well but he's gonna be in the nba i mean he's probably already been in the nba for i don't know how long but i mean he's gonna be in here for probably at least 10 years or so
0: okay okay so we'll do that one yeah that's a good one because i'll i'm like you know i'll never be like the like the newsbreaker guy like that probably won't be where i end
1: up unfortunately i think (laughs) i'm Hey, man, I wouldn't sell yourself short. <laughs>
0: uh, so we'll do that. We'll do that one. And then my third one, um, I'm just kidding. It, it doesn't have anything to do with my personality. This is just somebody that I watched recently. Uh, and <laughs> I think that, I th- you know, I, I can't come up with a third one. I'm going to cheat. I'm just going right. to shout out That's a guy okay. that I watched recently highlight-wise, Chris Bosch.
1: All right. All right, listen, I CB, man, that's an that's a amazing player. Also a really good adapter. He probably, legacy-wise, well, created a great part of his career by, you know, just kind of being that, that third guy, you know what sure. I mean? Like he was a perennial all-star, and then obviously LeBron and Wade are there, and, and he's probably the guy that sacrifices the most, and it ends yep. up helping the team, so I think that's a pretty awesome quality to have.
0: Alright, not only you spun that for me, I'm gonna continue on with that. I'm always <laughs> looking to expand my game. There
1: you so go.
0: I do a lot of video content now. I'm trying to get into video streaming, um, looking to expand like the type of podcast content I do, along with the, the my my writing stuff, it's changed a lot actually over the last year and a half. Um, I've gotten so much into film, so I'm always looking to expand my game to what the people want <laughs> <That's>
1: <laughs> and right.
0: what's what's popular, honestly, and what I think is like the future forward way of looking at things. So thank you. You just helped me make that point. I didn't even expect that. (laughs) That's, that's, that's,
1: that's what I'm here for. Um, but listen, dude, uh, honestly, awesome to have you on the pod. Very much. Thank you for, uh, you know, coming on. I know it was a a late night for you, but I was very happy we were able to get this done and, uh, definitely, you know, would love to have you on in the future and, and I'll always, and I'll definitely be keeping a lookout for any new pieces that you're coming out with.
0: Thank you. Seriously, this was—I'm not kidding right now—incredible. Like the execution, the thought process behind this, the just yeah, like the thoughtfulness behind it. And I—it's—I seriously, I'm like I'm touched even beyond because I just I know that you put a lot of um, work into this. I—I I, I, it does mean a lot to me. Um, Dude, I
1: appreciate that, and that's a, so, that's yeah, thank what you, man. Chip, Chip, and I are definitely—you know—we're we're trying to do something different too, and. Make something you know writer centric when when people come sure. on so that they can you know plug their work but at the same time you know just think about the journey just think about whatever it is that their goals are whether it's it's covering the team you know professionally or or just kind of um, you know engaging in a hobby or interest that they are really into like I'm down to talk about whatever level they want to talk about so right uh, but I was definitely happy we could do this for sure and. Like I said, man, we'll we'll be looking forward to your stuff and we'd love to have you on again.
0: Of course. Um, Yeah, keep this up. This is amazing. I'm going to be checking for this with people in the future. Um, Amazing concept. I I seriously can't emphasize enough. Thank you.
1: Awesome, dude. Listen, have a good one and, uh, and we'll talk soon.
0: Of course, man.